0: All right, Krishna, everyone, this is Achuta Bhava. and today I'm doing another episode of my Bhakti Q&A series. Um, this time, the question comes in from someone who watches my channel and is asking, what does it mean that God is a person? So this is something that is, of course, said over and over again in the Bhakti Yoga tradition that God is a person. But what do we mean by that, really? Um, so I'm going to unpack that today, but before I dive into that, I want to mention to everybody that this is officially like a um, uh, a new series on my YouTube channel called Bhakti Wednesdays. Every Wednesday for, I guess, a couple of years now, I've been releasing talks on bhakti yoga through a private unlisted or an unlisted playlist on my YouTube channel, which you've needed a password for. If people go to my website and they click on the Bhakti tab of my website, you can find all of the archives that I've ever done on Bhakti Yoga. And it used to be that you needed to sign up and get a password for it. And I've decided to make it completely public. And on Wednesdays, in addition to my astrology talk of the day, I'm publishing the regular Bhakti Yoga talk, um, which has really turned into a Q&A series every week as people have watched more and more videos, learning more about what Bhakti Yoga is, some of the practices of Bhakti Yoga, I've gotten more and more emails from people asking questions. So the series has sort of evolved into a weekly Bhakti philosophy talk. Um, And that's about all I have the bandwidth for at the moment, though at some point I hope that it will expand into um, something more multidimensional. I'm very eager to promote some of my teachers in the meantime who have things that are, you know, um, more regular classes that people can attend. So this fall, I think probably by December, two of my favorite teachers will be starting up a Bhagavad Gita course, and I'll probably have them come on and talk about that. So there'll be, I'll try to continue, um, giving you guys ways to connect more to Bhakti Yoga outside of just this little Q&A series because, you know, people who want to go further with Bhakti, the philosophy is interesting, but learning mantra meditation, kirtan, uh, finding some spiritual community for studying texts like the Bhagavad Gita um, and so forth, just going diving deeper um, is um, something that I hope to also provide people with some connections for. So at any rate... So welcome to all of you. A few brief disclaimers. Um, This is specifically about bhakti yoga. So um, there are many spiritual and religious paths in the world. And one of the core tenets of bhakti yoga is the belief in a personal God, an eternal immortal soul. And the the basic premise of bhakti is that the soul is slumbering um, in a Uh, temporary sense of disconnection from God or from source. We, the name that we give God, although God has many names and this is something that the scriptures in the bhakti yoga tradition literally say, we call God Krishna. That's the main form of worship. You could say in the bhakti, uh, the bhakti yoga tradition that I follow. So Bhakti means devotion. It means attachment. It means fondness. It means love. And so, the soul's—you could say—the goal of Bhakti Yoga is to cultivate practices of love uh, and communion with God in the heart. Just like a yogi might be seeking to achieve samadhi, uh, some a deep, deep state of absorption, the Bhakti yogi is doing similar kinds of meditations with the desire to enter into personal contact with God connection that's personal and relational. And of course, uh, trying to summarize this really quickly is difficult. A lot of people who watch my channel, like this may not be for you you know, you may watch my channel for the astrology and the broader, more universal philosophy that I tend to bring in. I incorporate elements of bhakti into pretty much everything I do, sometimes more explicitly, sometimes more implicitly. Um, But I'll also incorporate, you know, the Tao Te Ching, the the I Ching, I'll incorporate tarot sometimes, sometimes I talk about hermeticism. Uh, So, you know, it's like, I try to make sure the channel has a lot of streams coming in so that people can uh, feel spiritually nourished, whether or not they necessarily align perfectly with my path of bhakti yoga. Um, But for people who want to know more about the path of bhakti, this series is for you. It's called Bhakti Wednesdays. And there's a whole archive. I've been doing it for a while. A lot of people either didn't know it or Maybe, uh, you know, maybe they found that it was difficult to have to use a password to watch all the videos. So if you go to my website, nightlightastrology.com, I'm going to show you right now where you can access all of these before we get into today's talk. Now, this is for people, I would say this, like, again, like people who are interested in exploring Bhakti, but also people who are just interested in some maybe deeper spiritual content. Maybe that's part of what you like about what I share every week. And so this will be something for you. So you'll see if you go to my website, there's a Bhakti page. If you click on it tomorrow or the next day, we should have, um, I'm making this Tuesday night. So for Bhakti Wednesday, so we'll, we should have all of the archives up and there's no need to sign up anymore. You'll just have them all there. They're also on my YouTube channel. So if you were to go on my youtube channel and just look at the playlists. you're going to be able to find some bhakti yoga playlists which will include all of the previous videos i did including some a really great series on the shri ish upanishad some instructions on how to start a mantra meditation practice other um, easy practices of surrender like di- just different bhakti practices uh, and hopefully we'll develop more lots more content but one thing that I can tell you up front is that this channel is not something like one of the reasons that I had a password in the first place, you might ask, well, why did you keep it private? And why did you have a password? One was that I I wanted to have a little differentiation between my astrology content and Bhakti content, but also um, I'm in a different mode and mood, and I'm sort of a different person when I'm more in Bhakti yoga mode. And so I wanted to dedicate some separate space and also dedicate that space to people who are specifically there to learn and study about Bhakti. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to avoid are lots of trolls. There's, I mean, every day we delete comments on YouTube. Um, my, I have a social media manager. We're deleting comments from people who are just being really rude or mean or confrontational. And so that's a reality of YouTube. And I want to try to keep what is the most sacred part of my life, my Bhakti yoga practice, Um, you know, as a space for people, if they're engaging with me about bhakti yoga, that it's, it's a safe space for respectful discussion. And also it's a space where people want to be there, you know, it's people that are listening, because they want to learn about the subject, where they have questions about the subject. Um, And it's not a space where I'm, I will say, for example, debate with people about bhakti, people are interested, great, if they're not that's cool too. I'm not going. So that's one thing you won't find me doing is like, you if you have questions for me to host in this series, you can always email me info at nightlightastrology.com. And if there's a confusing point or a point of philosophical debate, you know, that's appropriate. But if I see people in the comment section, you know, uh, trashing, uh, you know, the sacred spiritual path, you know, that I'm on or like, just being really confrontational, rude, I will also delete those comments. I'm just letting people know up front because it's a little mo- bit more vulnerable for me to share this part of my life and this aspect of what I teach with the general public. It's something that really typically like occupies a more private sphere of my life, maybe with my private clients in my yoga studio that my wife and I own for 10 years. So, at any rate, All that being said, I'm glad that you're all here watching. I'm glad to share this with you. I hope you find Bhakti Wednesdays useful. And, you know, even if it's just for the sake of learning about yet another beautiful spiritual path that exists, the Bhakti tradition that I belong to, one of the like basic vision statements uh, that you'll find in temples says that we respect any path that puts at the center of it. Loving personal connection between the soul and our divine source of God. So there's tons of archived content too. Go check it out. All right. Today's question. Why in bhakti yoga do we call God a person? What does it mean to say that God is a person? This is a great question, such a good question. And I will tell you that when I first heard it, I was like, that is something about that is so sort of provocative and interesting. Like, what does that mean? And I got this email from someone that I wanted to share and they gave me permission to share it. This was not the person who actually asked the question, by the way, this was an email that I got after already knowing that I was going to speak about this question in my Q&A series. Yesterday, I was watching some of your bhakti videos as I sometimes do. The ideas feel good to me and I was really wondering if this path is something that could make me happy. What I was struggling with though was how I felt about identifying God by any name, Krishna or another. It feels good to me to think that God is something beyond what I could ever understand or imagine. The idea of God as a person is hard for me. While holding this thought, I got a call from an unknown number. I let it go to voicemail, and a moment later, my phone transcribed the message. The caller greeted me and identified themselves as Krishna. They were following up about a depression study I had expressed interest in weeks ago. Might this suggest an answer to my question of whether Krishna could make me happy? The same person also emailed me. Turns out their name is Krisha, not Krishna, and that my phone made a transcription error. Thank you, Mercury Retrograde. Yesterday, you spoke of the notion of the sacred maybe that becomes important when Mercury in Libra squares Pluto. It hadn't occurred to me that rejecting the notion of God as a person, because being a person somehow feels limiting, it actually itself is actually itself limiting. So is God a person? And did Krishna call me on the phone? maybe. Wow. I love that story so much. That story totally made my day. I just, I couldn't believe it. I just, I, everything about the way you shared that story and expressed yourself was so meaningful to me. So thank you for that. So what does it mean when we say God is a person in the bhakti yoga tradition? Okay. I use this example. My dog is a person. Have you ever said that before? Or have you ever said like my cat is a person um, or have you ever said your plant is a person? You know, what we mean when we say person is meant the translation and the, the way, the reason that you'll hear a lot of people in the Bhakti yoga community using that word in particular, because person means personal. And if we say God is a being, people tend to jump to, well, isn't God just being itself or isn't God the ground of being or isn't God in all things or isn't God some spread out all encompassing energy or something like that. And we're not at all opposed to those um, ideas about God or those qualities or expressions of God in the bhakti yoga tradition. I'll talk about that in a second. But what we mean when we say that God is a being in bhakti yoga is we mean it in the same way that I mean that my dog is a, is a person or that you or me are a person or that a tree is a person. We mean a living conscious entity, right? So, and by a a conscious living entity, of course, when it comes to God, we don't mean like a human person or a tree person or a dog person. We mean a person that has, an unlimited number of names, an unlimited number of forms, a multidimensional being from which all other beings emanate. And this personal being of God has an impersonal dimension as well. So this personal being uh, actually has a spread out impersonal nature like a we actually you can talk about it almost like a white light sometimes you hear people thinking about god in the impersonal sense beyond conception beyond form beyond name beyond what you can comprehend and in bhakti there's actually a philosophical category for that dimension or aspect of god and it doesn't cancel out the god that god is a being as well It's just that as a being, one of God's forms is this kind of impersonal, and by impersonal doesn't necessarily mean bad either, but impersonal, um, spread out, in unquantifiable, unnameable presence, ground of being, undifferentiated oneness like that. So that's an aspect of God in the Bhakti Yoga tradition. And it's not something that's meant to be like, in some kind of, you know, pea fight, you know, with, with with, the personal being of God. So there's a personal and an impersonal dimension to this particular being. And that's how we conceptualize it in bhakti. So that's what we mean when we say God is a person. There's a mantra from the Sri Ish Upanishad. It's one of the oldest Upanishads, or one of the oldest, I should say, sacred texts, the Upanishads as a category. And the Sri Isha Upanishad means the Upanishad of the Lord. And mantra 15 says, oh, my Lord, sustainer of all that lives, getting into the idea of God as the underlying essence of all things. There's that kind of impersonal beyond form, beyond name. Why? Because it encompasses all of them and goes beyond all of them. Oh, my Lord, sustainer of all that lives, your real face is covered by your dazzling effulgence. Kindly remove that covering and exhibit yourself to your pure devotee. I love that verse. And as far as I've understood and what I've understood from my teachers, that verse is getting at this exact distinction that this Wonderful. This person explained so wonderfully in their email. I thought it was great. What I was struggling with was how I felt about identifying God by any name, Krishna or another. It feels good to me to think that God is something beyond what I could ever understand or imagine. The idea of God as a person is hard for me. And it's hard for many people. And one of the reasons that we in Bhakti, we say that it's hard is because um, there's fundamentally a way in which we don't yet know ourselves as souls. We have egos, temporary egos, and we know that they're going to die someday. We know that they're going to, you know, be like a, a particle of dust in the winds of, you know, infinite time. You know what I mean? It's like, we know that everyone on this planet will eventually be forgotten. You know, physicists tell us that the sun will eventually burn out. And so There's this sense of not being able to imagine the continuity of, you know, our identity beyond this body. Most of us, um, struggle I think to conceptualize any kind of afterlife or any, anything, uh, of lasting or eternal or permanent existence that has to do with our own personhood. Um, And the bhakti scriptures essentially tell us that that is a a result of not knowing God because the result of knowing God in the bhakti tradition is that one comes to understand one's own true form and identity as a spirit soul. So we are also each of us multi-dimensional, you know, spiritual beings who have actual characteristics that are utterly unique to us, just like a snowflake is utterly unique but we can't reveal what those are beyond our ego um, unless we cultivate some practices in our lives that are meant to help us commune with that divine being, because it's only in the light of that divine being that we can see ourselves clearly. And so until then, most of us are actually living rather objectifying, feeling objectified and objectifying others. Um, Most of us, are dealing with what feels like very impersonal forces that are at work. And so how could anyone blame us from thinking that it, it just, it's so, it's so hard to even know who I am or, you know, what any, it, it's so hard to feel that there's anything of substance, everything's so fleeting. And so, you know, how could I conceptualize like a personal God and a personal soul that has a godlike nature of its own? But um, in Bhakti, the ultimate purpose of our practice in some ways is to awaken the spirit soul and its connection with its original divine source, this being, God. We call Krishna, but even Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that he has so many names and forms that he, he's, he can't even possibly ever list them. So, what we're, But what we're looking for is through developing a personal relationship with God, not only Do do we get the ultimate prize, which is the actual connection with God, which is the reservoir of all good qualities, you know, and all good qualities that exist in all imaginable things. That's pretty, that's mind blowing. If you just sit and think about that for a minute, but not only do we get that, but we also get to see and appreciate the absolute unique personhood of every being in creation, and we get to realize that creation is not. There is nothing that's actually dead, or you know, um, uh, empty in creation. Creation is teeming with life. Of course, there's a way in which God is in emptiness and silence, and and those. We could get into real esoteric conversations about that too, but the point is that. When we walk around feeling like life is rather void and empty and um, devoid of, of what feels like real personal heart to heart connections, that the result of communing with God is not only that we become more of a person, right? But and that we commune with God, but that everything becomes more personal. So, bhakti is really a relational paradigm in that sense. It's a way of saying, look, the goal of spiritual life is to relationalize the cosmos and to make those relationships all aspects of god i like to say that you know people know this reality in one simple way and i talked about this last week in a in a talk that i did called healing is not the goal um if you're going down let's say you're just cruising down the highway <laughs> it's like a music video or something you're cruising down the highway and you have this Terrible day. Maybe you know, it's like a country song. Your girlfriend broke up with you. You know, whatever. You've 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 got a flat tire. You're stranded on the side of the road. It's that kind of day. And somehow, in the midst of that, even though you have every tangible reason to believe and feel that this sucks, a song comes on the radio. And whatever that song is, it is your jam. You know what I mean? It is your jam. It gets down into your soul. It gets down into a place that's so deep that you suddenly have the audacity to just let your hair down and just dance in the rain dance where nobody can see you and say yes to all of it. You say a cosmic effort. You know what I mean? And you just start saying, yes, my Lord. Yes. Just like that. Like Those are my favorite days. Those are my favorite experiences of any days of all time of my whole life. Somehow through some kind of mercy, like a dove descending, one of my spiritual jams comes on the mind radio. And somehow I just go, I give a cosmic effort and I go, yes, yes, all of it, all of it, without exception, all of it is divine. And somehow I've, I I start to feel like I'm in touch with something and with someone, and that's important because a lot of the times it's it's like you, you know don't you you can identify it like this you're in that your jam comes on you're going and don't all of a sudden don't you feel like I have never felt more fully happy in myself right so. What we say in Bhakti is that Krishna is the self of yourself. When you're, when you're dropping into that space and you're, you're, you're getting a little bit, you're, it's like you're getting a little glimpse and you don't even know it of what gives you your actual personhood of what makes you actually fundamentally unique and beautiful, no matter what, that, what makes you happy, what makes you eternal, what makes you virtuous, which makes you whole and somehow you just tap and people know this experience. It, it sounds like spiritual and kooky, but it's the same experience you have in a different kind of in a, in a like a twist in a kind of like a twisted way, or like a, in a different light when your jam comes on. And it doesn't matter what kind of day you're having. you just drop into it. And suddenly your cares, your ego, everything goes flying out the window. And you're just like, I'm good. I'm good. And so in that space, in that space, we say that you're getting a little glimpse of your soul and you're giving, who is giving you that? Where does it come from? That's, it's coming from another soul. Another, in other words, another person, another being, it's someone that's giving you that. And the if the, we say that if the result is you come into contact with the self of yourself and you feel like I am alive, I am a soul, I feel soul, Right. Just that simple shift in bhakti that starts happening over time. We practice to recognize, holy crap, there's another person on the other end of the line. And it's this other being in whom all beings find their, their perfect form and their sense of real truth and identity. And then you start to go a step beyond, you know, just kind of being in your center. You start to be like coming out of yourself to serve and worship and adore and commune people love Rumi poems. That's what Rumi was doing. Look at his poems. Look at what everything, look at everything that Rumi ever wrote. And I guarantee you, you will see someone who keeps finding their jam, but instead of just reveling in themselves, they realize, oh, someone is gracing me. So there's something, uh, there's a divine being in the center of my jam. They're in the center of me and it's not me, but it is me at the exact same time. In bhakti, we call that a chinta beta beta tapa which means that we are both God and we're separate from God at the exact same time, like sparks are to the fire. We each have a God-like nature, but God is also a separate being. So you realize that in these spaces, and then suddenly your jam becomes about loving God, serving God. You could, you could write poetry about the weather and seeing God in the weather, in the trees, in people, saint francis was like this if you know saint francis was he he was someone who saw god in the animals you know so you can start you you start you, you re, once you recognize it within yourself then the natural thing is to want to give it to others to see it in others to see it in everything and that being is the multi-dimensional many named many formed being one of its forms is actually us right and and we start engaging in a relationship with that being it just, and the hermeticists described this too. Very similarly, um, you know, hermetic philosophers talked about the ascent to heaven being like finding your place in an, in a choir that's always been singing and you just didn't even know that you were a part of it. So anyway, I'm waxing all poetic and philosophical, but man, that email really touched my heart. I mean, that email was awesome. So let me read it. Two things, one more time. The mantra number 15 from the Sri Upanishad: O oh Lord, sustainer of all that lives, your real face is covered by your dazzling effulgence. Kindly remove that covering and exhibit yourself to your pure devotee. And then let's reread the email one more time. Yesterday, I was watching some of your bhakti videos as I sometimes do. The idea feels good to me. And I was really wondering if this path is something that could make me happy. What I was struggling with, though, is how I felt about identifying God by any name, Krishna or another. Feels good to me to think that God is something beyond what I could ever understand or imagine. The idea of God as a person is hard for me. While holding this thought, I got a call from an unknown number. I let it go to voicemail, and a moment later, my phone transcribed the message. The caller greeted me and identified themselves as Krishna. They were following up about a depression study I had expressed interest in weeks ago. Might this suggest an answer to my question of whether Krishna could make me happy? The same person also emailed me. Turns out their name is Krisha, not Krishna, and then my phone made a transcription error. Thank you, Mercury Retrograde. Yesterday, you spoke of the notion of the sacred maybe that becomes important when Mercury and Libra squares Pluto. It hadn't occurred to me that rejecting the notion of God as a person, because being a person somehow feels limiting, is actually itself limiting. So is God a person? And then Krishna called me on the phone? maybe. All right. That's it for today. If you guys have questions about Bhakti yoga, anytime, feel free to shoot them to me. Info at nightlightastrology.com. Put Bhakti QA in the subject line, and we'll see you again for Bhakti Wednesdays next week. All right, Krishna, everyone.